For once, John, I asked this without irony, without snark, were the Minnesota Timberwolves the talk of the summer league? You know, I'm glad that we are starting right off right there, Jim, because absolutely they were the talk of the summer league. I'm I'm back home now after four days out in Las Vegas, and I can tell you that there were two subjects that absolutely dominated the conversation and the, out there among executives, among agents, among players and coaches, and from all over the league were one was Kevin Durant and where is he going, but two, and really like maybe one B, if you want to say it, were was the Minnesota Timberwolves and Rudy Gobert and what they are doing in terms of this you know, bully ball experiment or this, you know, Twin Towers lineup that they are going with. It is uh, everyone that I walked, uh, you know, came encountered with uh, in Las Vegas just kind of looked at me and said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, what do you think? Um, it is it, it was really interesting to just kind of be in that and just know that the Wolves were at the center of the league discourse. There is a lot of fascination with it. There are opinions that vary very far and wide on whether it's going to work or whether it's not going to work. Um, but yes, I mean, it, they were absolutely one of the main talking points of summer league. And as you said, that is not often the case with the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, at this time of year or really any other. He's John Krasinski. This is the John Krasinski Show. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. John, of course, works for The Athletic as well as TalkNorth.com. Brandon Morton is our producer. We appreciate you listening. Uh, thanks to TSR Injury Law, our longtime sponsor, 612-TSR-TIME, and All Energy Solar. Uh, if you'd like to advertise with this show as the Timberwolves become the talk of the town and this becomes the best place to listen to Wolves' uh, information as speculation, you can reach Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at talknorth.com. So last week we did a, a very in-depth episode where we talked about the differences between uh, the rampant enthusiasm in Minnesota for the deal and the dubiousness about the deal around the league, around other media people around the league. Having spent time with people face-to-face in Vegas, uh, did you find any different dynamic than than we were talking about just last week? Yeah, you know, I, honestly, I really didn't, Jim. I, it, it, there, there are a lot of people in the league and, and very smart people, people I've talked to for years and years who I really trust kind of their view and their opinions on things and their perspectives who are really skeptical that this can work with Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert in the front court together, um, just with the amount of financial resources that the Timberwolves are pu- pouring into their front court over the long term. Um, I, I I will say that there were many people that I talked to with other teams, you know, with you know, um, you know, some some agents and some others, just like that kind of are shaking their heads and saying, you know, what are the wolves doing? This is, this is not the way to go about it in this day and age. And, um, and so there were those skeptics. There were also several people that I talked to. Um, I would, I would say, you know, a good group of people who were supportive of it, who were at very, at the very least intrigued by it and, you know, kind of said, Hey, I just want to see it with these guys play together and see if this can work uh, This is going to be fascinating. And then there were others like in the, in the approve approval category, if you want to put it that way, who basically said, Hey, look, 
Tim Connolly, Chris Finch, two very sharp guys. They are doing this for a reason. Um, and so I, you kind of got to give them the benefit of the doubt. A couple of uh, coaches that I spoke to just kind of said, hey, Finch will make it work. I, you know, there's, there's no doubt about it. He'll have a plan and, and it'll come together. But I think the overarching sort of, um, reaction, if you want to say that, want to, want to call it that is one of utter kind of fascination. Like there's no one that really knows for sure if this is going to work, but everyone is going to be watching to see how the Timberwolves go about this. And um, it's been interesting, you know, to also kind of bounce some of those, you know, kind of uh, reactions off of Timberwolves, people who are kind of getting a little more and more defiant about it um, as I think they kind of immersed themselves in the Vegas scene and really understood just kind of how many people out there are saying, ah, there's no way this can work. Uh, It's kind of fun to, to, to watch sort of, you know, some people just either smile or kind of maybe get a little steely eyed and say, you know, Hey, uh, we'll, we'll show them that this is going to work. And so, um, that's, it's, that was a fun sort of dynamic to be in the middle of for those four days. And in general, let's get provincial here. What was it like to be around the Wolves people, the Wolves team? And, and, and I think it's I do think it's really cool uh, and almost quaint that NBA stars, NBA starters, NBA, you know, veterans will show up to watch summer league games. I just think it's a great, it's a, from afar, it's a great vibe. I'm assuming it's that way when you're there too. Yeah, it's 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 really the best kind of part about being at summer league. I mean, Vegas is what it is, and I'm not I'm not a great big fan of the city or spending a whole lot of time there or anything like that. But um, one of the very cool things is that this is the time of year where um, players and teams and coaches and, and and executives have been away from the season for a while now have had a chance to kind of relax and reset. And everyone is pretty optimistic. Everyone, you know, within each team loves the moves that they made, are very excited about it, or is looking forward to the season. None of the grind has started yet. And, and, and um, I think there's a bright eyedness about uh, every team's prospects when you haven't played a game, you haven't lost a game, you haven't hit any kind of adversity. So, you know, we saw in Vegas, several stars come through and, or, or at least established players. We saw Jaden McDaniels, Mr. Untouchable, apparently from the Rudy Gobert conversations, uh, Nas Reed, uh, Nathan Knight, D'Angelo Russell was there. And I was able to catch up with him for a while during their first game, um, of the summer league. And he is really excited, Jim. I, I'll be honest, like, uh, you know, we, we kind of saw how the season ended. We saw how, he really did struggle in that Memphis series, and there did seem to be some tension and some angst with with how it all played out and him finishing the series on the bench and all of those things. And um, sat down and talked with D'Angelo for quite a while uh, during the, the Timberwolves opening game, and he was remarkably upbeat. He was very excited about Rudy Gobert and what it could mean for their pairing and how they could help each other and how Rudy can help the team overall. And just really kind of spoke with a 
with an optimism and with a, with a general excitement about what this team can be going forward. And that was kind of a stark contrast to the way it finished and to some of just like the downtroddenness that we saw you know, surrounding D'Angelo Russell going into the summer. So uh, really interesting conversation uh, that you can you know, find to look kind of more fully in depth on the athletic of everything that he had to say. But uh, it was it was nice to spend some time with him and get his perspective on what he sees here because he instantly becomes one of the most important players on this roster just in terms of being able to make this experiment work. D'Angelo Russell has to be a very good player and a very good passer and a and a great and a very good quarterback of the offense for all of this to have a chance to really work. And from what it seems like, what he told me is he's really ready and and willing to do that. Let's let's get a little bit. I know you don't want to give away the entire article, but let's get into a couple of details on that conversation. Once again, we want to remind you the best way to listen to TalkNorth.com. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app uh, for either individual shows or for the entire network. It's the easiest way to listen. It's also free. We also want to thank our longtime sponsor, TSR Injury Law, 612 TSR Time. I heard Steve Terry was in Vegas. He it truly is a super fan and an uh, intelligent fan. We love having him on the show because of that. Uh, we also really appreciate his company's support for us. Uh, and we love the fact that they continue to thrive by winning cases for their clients. They've moved into beautiful new offices because they keep winning cases for their clients. They do not charge you unless they win your case. Uh, it's really a no-risk uh, alternative if you need their particular kind of help. Call 612-TSR-TIME. Thanks also to All Energy Solar. Hey, we know what's going on. Uh, you, you can take this in the direction of Russia being a bad actor on the international stage and trying to hold uh, its oil reserves over people's heads. You can talk about the environment. You can talk about gas prices. You can talk about you know just doing what's best for your own self-interest, financial interest over time. You just have to realize that solar, it's a great home improvement project. It's great for resale value on your home. It saves you money uh, you know, over time. It saves you a lot of money over time. Uh, and you know, after 30 years of operation, solar could have paid back 300 to 400% of the cost of installation. It pays back regardless of property sale. Uh, if you do plan to move at some point, uh, it does re- increase your resale value. The average increase in resale value is somewhere around $4,000 to $6,000 for each one kilowatt of power. Uh, homes of solar often sell faster than those without. It's it's a great deal now, and it's a better deal over time. So check out allenergysolar.com for the deals available to you right now. So anything you want to bring up about the D'Angelo Russell conversation in particular? Yeah, two things that we can get into, Jim. Um, one is that he, is, he really believes the union with Rudy Gobert is a great thing for his game. Um, you, he... he he plays a, a pick and roll style of attack that really excels when he is playing with a big man who sets the screen and rolls to the basket. Carl Anthony Towns is much more of a pick and pop kind of a big. And so I think that Russell is looking forward to just having one of the very best screen setters in the league set great screens for him and then roll to the basket and give him the option of throwing a lob pass of putting a little pocket pass in there or of letting Russell just attack that set himself with a, with a jumper, with, with, uh, with a drive to the basket, anything like that. So 
He believes that that Rudy Gobert is a great matchup for him and just the way that he likes to play the game. And so that is really kind of setting sort of some excitement and some high expectations for him going into this season. The other part that we did get into is that he is on uh, the final year of his contract right now. Um, And he did say to me definitively that, yes, he does want to get an extension done here in Minnesota. That would be his preference. Um, And that there have been just some very sort of cursory um, opening kind of conversations about that and what that would look like. Um, But, you know, what I wondered about was if he did not get his extension, would that be a real problem for the Timberwolves in terms of chemistry and harmony and all that going into this season? And Russell told me that, no, definitely not. He said, Um, He watched how Jalen Brunson kind of used this last year in Dallas, uh, played very, very well, then got to the free agent market and and really got a great contract from the New York Knicks, uh, four years and like 104 million or something like that. Um, And I think that he sees that as an option if a if a contract extension does not get done for him to play on a team that could win. 50 games or more if 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 this all goes according to plan for the Timberwolves and that D'Angelo Russell could benefit from that either by getting a bigger deal done with the Timberwolves or by um, going on the open market and and seeing what is out there for him so he said that you know if if there's um if if it gets to the regular season and they do not have a deal done, he said that there would be no kind of hard feelings about that, that he understands that's part of the business. And um, and if the Wolves want to play it out that way, you know, that they can figure that out and, and, and go forward. So at least right now, Jim, I just think it's really kind of interesting that uh, he is looking at this you know, with a very open-minded approach and not letting the business of it become personal right now, because uh, I don't know if there's going to be any kind of, you know, long-term extension. They have a lot of money devoted to Towns and and Gobert. Edwards is going to be making a lot of money fairly soon. And so how they navigate that with D'Angelo Russell could be a little bit tricky. But um, if Russell is willing to be the good soldier um, and 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 kind of go into it and play things out. Um, that could be a benefit to both him and to the Timberwolves over the short and the long term. Because I write opinion and because so many of the things the Timberwolves have done since 2004 have been just so obviously self-destructive and sometimes blatantly stupid. I have not minded belaboring my criticism of them. Uh, I think it's time to belabor this point. Carl Anthony Towns signs a mega deal and does so as quickly as possible. D'Angelo Russell is saying all the right things and handling this very well. Ruby, Rudy Gobert wanted to play here. Uh, it, it just feels like a completely different organization than it has been in the past. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with you, Jim, that the vibes that way, as the kids say these days, um, are great right now and very um, – unexpected when you kind of factor in just the drama and the dysfunction that we're used to seeing with this franchise. And so I I think it's becoming a very well-run franchise. I think it's, it's, uh, you know, you have 
very experienced guy and Tim Connolly in the front office with Sachin Gupta, with Dell Downs, with Matt Lloyd, with a very good staff around him that is, you know, that knows what they're supposed to do and knows how they have to handle themselves to, to kind of, you know, keep everyone going in the right direction. You have Chris Finch, who has a great handle on the X's and O's of the job of head coach and also the politics of the job uh, as head coach and just kind of relating to players and making sure that the the lines of communication are open. Um, And then you do have, as you said, you have high profile players who seem to be either very encouraged about what is going on right now or very excited to to kind of stay here and keep going or both. I mean, Anthony Edwards is another one who has said nothing but good things about being in Minnesota and playing for this team and and the and the talent that he has with him with him and and so you have him and Gobert and Towns and Russell and there just seems to be a general maybe trust that things are going in the right direction and now if you take that sort of foundation and build a quality season where you're winning a lot of games you're backing up a very fun and exciting season with another fun and exciting season and maybe you take it a little deeper into the playoffs this year not necessarily even the finals or western conference finals but even if you win a series and you you kind of take another step um that way i think that that just all becomes real momentum toward changing the perception and the image of a franchise that has often been viewed as a punchline across the NBA. And so uh, they're not there yet, but the early signs of kind of how they are building on last season and what they're putting together, it's pretty promising right now. Yeah, it really is. Um, now let's get to what actually happened on the court. Uh, obviously, not obviously, he, he was a blast to watch. Wendell Moore looks very polished, but what's, what's your view of those guys or anything else you saw? Yeah. So, um, you know, I saw two games there. Uh, we're recording this before their third game, uh, in Vegas. But, um, when you look at sort of the, the players that you have to really pay attention to, uh, on this roster, on the summer league roster. And I, I kind of watched most closely the three draft picks that they have. Wendell Moore Jr. in the first round, jo- um, Josh Minot and Minot. Mateos. I, I, I always mispronounce. It's a, it's a Minnesota tradition that I mispronounce everybody's name the first time. I'll get it no right. No worries. No, no worries. It's, yeah, Josh Minot and Matteo Spagnolo were the second round picks. Spagnolo is going to stay over in Italy um, and, and, and kind of continue to, to work over there. Um, but, um, uh, I, you know, Wendell Moore, um, had they both, I, I guess for the, the, the two guys who are going to be in the United States this year, Moore and Minot both had very impressive stretches and then stretches where they didn't play so well and, or things didn't go, uh, according to plan. And that's exactly what happens in summer league, uh, for almost every player uh, you know, who's getting their first crack at this. More, the team, to me, that we'll start with more, Jim, and the, the, the real interesting thing for me with, with Wendell Moore, he was kind of more of a wing at Duke. Uh, he's six foot five. He has good size. Um, and, but the role that they put him in in summer league was more of a lead ball handler, point guard type of a role. 
Um, and what that tells me is they are trying to get him to work on his playmaking, work on his vision, um, be able to be a guy that at least can be kind of more of a combo guard, because I do think right now as the roster exists and they can add a couple of more players yet, they still have open roster spots, but as of right now, one of the thinnest areas that could use more, uh, more depth is that they could, um, you know, that they need more point guardish playmakers on the roster. They have D'Angelo Russell, they have Jordan McLaughlin as the two kind of classic point guards. Obviously, Anthony Edwards is going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Jalen Noel will can do that coming off the bench, but still, you'd like to have a little bit more creation, a little bit more, um, it, offensive initiators on your team. And so they're trying to get that with Wendell Moore Jr. And they're trying to get him comfortable in that type of a role. So he's been playing that way in summer league. We talked to him after the first game and he said he's, you know, he's very comfortable doing that. Um, He wants to have those kinds of responsibilities. He's done that before in high school and a little bit at Duke as well, but he sees kind of a lane to playing time with a role like that. And um, there were times where he looked really good running the offense. There were times where he missed some reads and, and missed some passes that he should have made just as any young player will do. But I just thought just in terms of what I imagined from him when he was drafted and then what they're going to do with him was a little bit different. And I, so I found that really interesting. Future episodes, I want to talk about Cat's transition. If there is a transition to be made playing alongside uh, Gobert, I think that's fascinating. I also want to talk about uh, Mark Laurie and just how much credit he gets. If this organization's all, if all the arrows are pointing up, does he deserve a lot of credit for, for right now? Let's talk about depth because one national criticism I've seen of the Gobert trade was, okay, you wiped out your depth. You got rid of really good role players, really good guys. You know, I mean, Vanderbilt and Beverly both started a lot of games for them. And how do you replace that? I look, I want to see if you agree with me. I look at the roster. I see a nine deep team right now with the possibility of somebody like Moore being your number 10. I I think they have enough depth. Am I misreading it? Yeah, I, I do think they have a lot of depth, uh, Jim. And I mean, what when you kind of look at how this is kind of the roster is evolving from last year to to what it's going to be next season, they have absolutely what they've done in essence is they replaced one starter, Jared Vanderbilt, with Rudy Gobert, all defense. 71% uh, you know, uh, offense, uh, field goal percentage. So just a remarkable upgrade there, as much as we all like Vanderbilt, and I do. Um, and I think he's a really good player, but that's a clear upgrade. Beverly was the other starter who I think they were planning on eventually putting him to the bench. And, um, and Jaden McDaniels is stepping in there. Um, and so as long as McDaniels can stay out of foul trouble, I think that's going to be an upgrade just for the defensive purposes for for the youth, for the size, um, all of those things. Um, and so, yeah, then now when you look down the roster a little bit and you don't have Malik Beasley coming off the bench and Jalen Noel has to fill that role, we'll see if he's capable of that, but I think he is capable of that. Then you won't have Jaden McDaniels coming off of the bench. You know, how what, what do you have there instead? You have Kyle Anderson, a really nice signing and a veteran guy who knows who has been in big games knows how to win knows how to play and so that's good i do think you know they need a little more depth 
at the big, at, you know, at, at, if they could sign another big man, whether that's Nathan Knight, whether that's some uh, other other um, available big man out there, just to get just for a little injury protection, I think that would be good. And if they could sign, a, I'd like to see a little more shooting. They brought in Bryn Forbes, who is a very good three point shooter. He's definitely undersized, though, so I think he brings some. Um, drawbacks in terms of matchups and what you can use him for, but a, a knockdown shooter for sure. It's just what can you do? What else can you do with him? So I'd like to see a little more shooting added, um, a little more, you know, another big just in case uh, someone gets injured. And then, you know, maybe um, you, you can look at that playmaking, the kind of third point guard type of a role. But those are all spots, Jim, that are, you know, yeah, 9, 10, 11, 12 on the roster. And so from a one through nine perspective, I really do think that I like the nine. I love the starting five. I mean, I think the starting five is going to be just a real handful to deal with. And then you can kind of, you know, Finch will get into sort of the way that he he mixes and matches first and second unit and all of that. But really one through nine, it's pretty strong. Um, there's a few things that you'd like to see more of, but all, in general, I feel pretty good about it. Um, so it's not a huge concern for me, but there are a couple of holes still that definitely, if they are able to be fit, filled before the start of next season, I think you'll feel even better about it. A couple more questions for John. Once again, thanks to TSR Injury Law, 612 TSR Time. Thanks to All Energy Solar, allenergysolar.com. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. I also recommend going back to my show, Blocked and Muted, from last week. David Berry was my guest. Really good analyzing uh, from a statistical and analytical standpoint what Gobert brings, uh, why he always thought Gobert was much more valuable than Donovan Mitchell on the Jazz, and uh, why he thinks Go- the Gobert move is a very good move. He also analyzed the links in their playoff run here. Check out that well as well. You can always find that at TalkNorth.com. Uh, how's the cap space right now? Um, it's So right now they have um, the what's, what's called the biannual uh, exception, which is like you can pay someone about $4 million um, every two years you can use that. And they did not use it last year, so they have it this year. And they could use that if they got into some sort of a little a mini bidding war, if you will, with a with a free agent that they really liked out there. Um, they are a little bit of ways under the cap, uh, under the luxury tax still as well. So that's that's a good position. But otherwise, I would anticipate that most of the signings, if there are any going forward here, are going to be kind of vet minimum deals. We have the 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 simple fact right now is that. All of the 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 NBA is pretty much held hostage by this Kevin Durant situation and what's going to happen in Brooklyn with Durant and Kyrie Irving. And everyone's kind of just holding the fort right now and waiting for something to happen. So the Wolves could do two things. One, they could wait it out as well and and see if that if there's a, a trade involving Durant somewhere else, uh, maybe that another team has to unload a contract that they that they you know didn't anticipate having to unload just to clear enough room for Durant or or make the salaries all match up and maybe the Wolves could get their hands on on a more established player that way um or I think they could try to 
add one or two players on event minimums and and do it sooner rather than later because maybe you can pressure a player who is kind of sitting out there and dangling as we get closer to the middle of July and into August and they want just some sort of clarity on where their position is, maybe they would take a vet minimum deal whereas they were holding out hope for getting a little bit more somewhere else. So there's a couple of options that the Wolves can be creative with. I would not be shocked though if they do just kind of sit back and wait just to see if there is some major trade that requires some other money to kind of be quickly moved around and see if the Wolves could excuse me could pounce on an opportunity like that uh it's kind of tantalizing to think about that um and and to really you know just kind of consider the option there because i don't know that there's anyone else right now who is available on the free agent market that say that is to the point where you got to just go get them and get it done um I, th- I think that they have time now to really evaluate this and look at this and see if there's either um, a, a, a trade that uh, that emerges that they didn't expect, or there's just a good bargain that comes to them um, eventually. So it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting couple of weeks here just to see how that plays out. Because the other word out in Vegas was that we may be in for a long wait with Kevin Durant in this trade. It looks like mm-hmm. the Nets are kind of digging in a little bit, and and it could really hold things up for quite a while here. Wow. Uh, last question for today. We'll be back with more topics. I really wanted to get get into Cat's role offensively and defensively in this new alignment, uh, as well as talk more about D'Lo and Mark Laurie. For today, uh, when they signed Kyle Anderson and when Finch said that he saw a larger role for Jalen Noel, was that with a Gobert deal in mind or would they have done and said those things regardless? Well, um, I, I don't think that when, when Finch made that, the um – decision or made the comment about Jalen Noel. I don't think that that was saying anticipating that they would get a Rudy deal done, but I do think that it was just kind of a recognition that, uh, Malik Beasley's time in Minnesota was probably coming to an end whether it was this summer or sometime into next season, just given his contract status and maybe the, you know, him having some value on the free agent or on the, on the trade market that it it made sense to at least explore moving Malik Beasley. And so if you're, if you're looking at that and saying, well, Malik Beasley is probably unlikely to be in Minnesota for the long term. Uh, we got to look at contingency plans and Jalen Noel was their contingency plan. I do think that Noel um, wanted a bigger role and, and, and made that clear to the Timberwolves that you know, he's going to be a free agent after next season. And so he want, you know, he wanted some kind of pathway to getting more consistent playing time. And, uh, and so Finch was determined to make that happen eventually one way or the other. Then the Rudy Gobert thing came along and obviously immediately created that. So, um, so that was, uh, that, that was made intentionally, that comment was made intentionally by Finch, just knowing that the, the chances of a trade, some kind of trade happening were fairly high, but I don't think it was specifically Gobert related with Kyle Anderson. They, they absolutely were hoping that a, a Rudy deal could be done and, and thinking that maybe they would have to include someone like Vanderbilt or another front court player. And, and so, but, but ultimately what they did decide with Anderson, it was, they just needed more really smart 
kind of decision makers out there. And I think one of the things that plagued them in the Memphis series was down the stretch, just not being able to make the right decisions, to make the right reads, to get the ball moving and and do things the right way in clutch in clutch time. And that's why the Grizzlies were always able to kind of, you know, turn de- uh, double digit deficits into into wins in that series. And so they they went and got Anderson knowing that he would help in that area regardless of what happened. But certainly now that Go- Gobert is in the fold and that this trade has happened, I think Kyle Anderson becomes an even bigger part of what they can do and and their chances of having success. So neither neither situation was made directly saying, we know we're getting Rudy Gobert, so we're going to do these things. But they are both going to benefit enormously from this Rudy Gobert trade in terms of role, in terms of opportunity, in terms of responsibility and all of those things. And so uh, they are well positioned now to, to, to kind of go forward with both of these guys, given the, the changes that their roster has just undergone. Good stuff as always from John. Thanks for listening to talknorth.com. Check out all of our other sports shows. We've got a lot of shows. We've just added uh, added Mr. Olson from WCCO. We have Dave Lee of WCCO fame with the Prospox. Uh, all our outdoor content is outstanding, and we have some variety shows as well. Check it all out at talknorth.com. We'll be back next week to continue talking about where the Wolves stand in the NBA hierarchy.